Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Okay, everybody, welcome to tonight's 103rd Sheer program with Coach Menachem Bernfeld and the Let's Get Real team over here. And uh, we're really happy that everybody's here. Tonight, I'm going to have a little uh, technical. Uh, my assistant, my partner, is working remotely tonight. So uh, please uh, stand by me while we deal with technical difficulties. Last week, we had the most technical difficult share. The Baruch Hashem worked out. And Mitch Hashem tonight is going to be an amazing share. And we're very zeichet to have Rabbi Aaron Lane with us. Aaron Lane with us tonight. We'll get there in a second. So first, I'd like to start off thanking uh, everybody who comes in every week. You know, again, the platform is 103 share. But I don't think I think we could say already that this year is already exploding. We're doing great. And uh, I want to thank everybody for promoting it on all their WhatsApp statuses, emailing it to their family and their friends, letting people know about it. I, I you know, sometimes I go and I was I was by a wedding this this week in, in, in next to Muncie. It's actually a cousin of mine about your wedding, and the, the mother of the, of the chassan comes over to me and says, I listen to your shir every week. I can't believe you're by the wedding. I'm from the Kalasad. So thank you. And I said, Mamish, it's a beautiful zach, and it's, you know, it's such it's from Kranites, from uh, Australia, Mexico, Panama City, even people in Panama City listen to the shir. So it's Baruch Hashem, it's Gavaldik, and um, I want to thank everybody for, for making it grow. It's all from people themselves, and we appreciate that. Rabbi Lane, we call this this tonight's share. It's called Sichas Chaverim. We schmooze, we fabreng, we try to get to the bottom point of everything. And again, if anybody wants to join my WhatsApp status, so I send every Sunday with a shear and people post it. Please, you can WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. Again, that number is 848-525-0066. If you want to sign up to get the emails from Coach Menachem, you go to his website, Menachem Berfeld, just like his name, menachemberfeld.com. And you could sign up to get the weekly flyers. And he sends it out twice a week, one for the replay and one for the Sunday before this year to see who's coming on. Anybody who's watching this on YouTube, the replay, click on the like button for Coach Menachem and the subscribe button. So every Monday at 2.30 in the morning when Menachem uploads the year for that week, you get to know about it and you get the ding and we get much more flat followers. So we can Menachem, so we can come give them, right? We have millions of flat followers. I'd like to start off thanking all the advertising sponsors of Lakewood Scoop here in Lakewood for promoting us in Lakewood. Robin Yaniv from Kazak, Ellie and Ariel from Five Towns Central for promoting us on the website. Special thank you to Kyla Kaufman and Shmuel Summer from JCN. And tonight, a special summer, a thank you to Mika Sofer from COL Live for promoting us on that website. Thank you. Again, I want to start off with opening up that Coach Menachem is collaborating. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Uh, the Coach Menachem Show is collaborating with OK Clarity to bring greater health and wellness to the Jewish community around the globe. OK Clarity is the online platform for mental health support the Jewish community. OK Clarity, you can find the best therapists, coaches, nutritionists, engage in forms, and stay inspired. Links will be found after the show. I'm going to share with the email. And also, I'm going to mention it now, but I'll mention it again. Rabbi Lane wrote a book that's called GPS on Marriage. And I mentioned him after the year. Menachem is going to email out the link to the book if anybody wants to get it if they enjoyed the share so much they want to get it um anybody who again who's a therapist that are watching the program we're part of we can get credits for therapists to see credits if anybody's interested in getting ce credits please email support at corewellceu.com 
and you can get credits for the shirim that have therapists, not Rabbi Lane, but other shirim that had therapists. Like, again, for anybody joining for the first time, anybody here joining tonight for the first time, every Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time on this Zoom ID, we have different Rabbanim, different therapists, different topics. And uh, again, like I said, it's the 103rd chair. So obviously uh, we've covered a lot of ground. So uh, try to join us every Sunday. Next Sunday at Shem, May 29th, we're going to have an amazing show with Representative Yossi Ksir, who's actually on the program once before with somebody else. Tonight, next Sunday, he's coming out himself. He's Rosh Hashiva of Mo, the Sifta of Eatontown. And uh, he's going to be discussing it's the Sunday before Shavuos. So we're going to be talking about how to feel tired for everybody and how tired is for everybody and making sure we reach all of our children via the Torah. So it should be a powerful and deep, meaningful program. I'm sure it's negated to everybody, so please come and join, and it should be amazing. Tonight, we have the schus and the honor of having with us Babu Shushliach from Panama City for over 28 years, or Baron Lane, who wrote it, I said before, wrote a book. It's called uh, GPS on Marriage. The reason why, Rebaron, I don't know if I ever told you the reason why this year happened, because I got a call a long time ago from somebody who told me, you must have Rebaron Lane on the shir. I said, who, what? I said, Mamish is the best. He's Mordek. So I said, who is it? She, oh, it's his mother. I was like, oh, Shkaya. <laughs> but then I got other people that requested it. So I said, it's meant to be. But I'm just letting you know, it's the mama. It's giving out from the mama. So <clears throat> thank you. <clears throat> thank you for coming and joining us tonight. I'm sure we'll get to you. And uh, he's from Panama City. So, you know, anybody goes to Panama, sure knows Rabbi Lane, but he's in Miami right now. He's taking a little uh, vacation for a wedding. But Shkaya uh, for coming again. Every lane, we started doing gematrias for all the shirim. So we did gematria 103. My friend Arne Free, he does the gematrias. And uh, you want to hear the gematria for 103, Rabbi Lane? Unmute, unmute, Rabbi Lane. Definitely. Let me hear. The gematria that we came up with is Noeg Ba Covid. Noeg Ba Covid. If you give her covered, it's 103. We're assuming that's the, probably the recipe for marriage. We're just. Without, without knowing, that's what Arna Echri came up with. I thought it was a good gematria. Yeah, you gave away my whole speech. Okay, everybody have a good night. Shkoyach for coming. We gave it away. Okay, so before we start, Mr. Shem, I want to start with our host, Coach Menachem Berenfeld. Please open it up for Doylem. Why are we here? What are we doing here tonight? I'm lost. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. I want to welcome everyone again for coming to the Shir. Let's go real with Coach Menachem. Baruch Hashem, we're up to number 103. With a lot of siyata deshmaya every week, Hashem helps us again and again. And Baruch Hashem from the feedback, which we'll hear soon. Another week on discussing marriage. And um, like a lot, I would love to share with the audience a little bit of the feedback that I got, which I get the feel of how people take how they understand what's their, their, the vibe, the energy. And as usual, it, you always have all different types, different ways of looking at it. And from last week, we had Mr. and Mrs. Perlman, Dr. Perlman, um, discussing marriage, which they discussed um, many interesting scenarios and a lot about being vulnerable, going to that space of, not knowing how it's going to turn out. And uh, I, the feedback that I got, most, I don't know the numbers, but a lot of people loved it. It was, it was so good. It was amazing, as usual. And then there were others who, they said it was too deep, too deep for them. 
And I could understand both ways. And talking about the vulnerability, it's not an easy concept to understand. And um, it, it, it could be deep for many. And it's interesting, I don't, we, we spoke about it last week a little bit, but I do wanna mention it again. You know, the definition of being vulnerable is being, is being able to open yourself up. Now, opening yourself up means that it's possible that you might get hurt. That means imagine you're wearing a jacket, a thick jacket, so you don't get any thorns. You know, you don't get scratched up. And then you, you decide to just open it up, take off, take, you know, and, and walk through the thorns. It's, it's, you're opening up to deep, um, deep feelings and thoughts that you have. And many times they don't accept it. We're scared that uh, they might judge if they hear what I'm going through, what I'm thinking. Um, they won't accept it the way I want, I want them to accept it. So it is not easy for everyone and not recommended for everyone. It's not something that you should just go for it. And many people are aware. There are people that tried and realized that they can't. And uh, uh, important concept to be vulnerable before you're vulnerable to anybody else. It's an important thing to be, be able to be vulnerable to yourself. If you can be open and understand what, I'm, what am I feeling? What are my thoughts? What are my fears? And to be able to sit and hold that space for yourself, that would be even before finding somebody else, but it's not easy. And sometimes you do need somebody else. Not always is it the right person to seek out uh, that it should be your spouse. Many times you should seek out somebody else and um, why it shouldn't be, a, not always does it work, should be a spouse. Well, first of all, they have their own triggers, their own things that they have to work out. And not always are they capable of holding that space for you. And that itself is a vulnerable feeling. If you're sitting here and thinking, I wish I can be connected, open up, have that relationship. That's, that's a feeling, that's, a, that's a, a real vulnerable feeling to feel it yourself and just hold that space for yourself. And if you do need to share with someone, find someone that you can talk to and not always is it the spouse. Now, I just wanna throw out a question which many people have asked me and I think we'll pick up a little bit from tonight. If I can't be open with my spouse, then why are we married? <laughs> so many people feel then that's marriage. To, to be able to share all the deep secrets and everything that's going on, isn't that the reason why we get married? Well, it's a good question. And maybe we'll hear a little bit tonight, but I think tonight we'll discuss a little bit more practical. For those who felt that last week was deep, this week we'll be able to hear a little bit more of guidance, ideas that we'll be able to implement and to use and I, I read a little bit of the book and a little bit that I read very interesting and very down to earth and very practical. So it's a chus to have, an honor to have with us, Rabbi Lane. And Amit Hashem, with a lot of Siyata Deshmaya, we'll be able to take some practical things that we learned tonight and apply it to our marriage, Amit Hashem. Beautiful opening. So again, an overview of tonight. Tonight's share is called The One Thing That, we could that Could Really Make a Difference in Your Marriage. 
GPS, guide, purpose, and a secret for a happier marriage. So, uh, Rabbi Lane, the pressure's on. We all want that one thing, so we could all fix everything, and uh, we want the secrets. So that's that. Um, I just want to say, somebody called me up before the share. They just wanted to say that uh, whatever somebody who listens to our share said they had a tremendous yacht to the Shmaya. They were waiting on a get, and they they waited till every Pesach, and things worked out for them. And they just wanted us to give a shvach by that uh, even though things are sometimes difficult, things work out, and uh, it should be a schutz for them, you know, going forward. Um, Rabbi Aaron Lane, I'm going to read your bio, which is very short. And we're going to go straight into the chair. Rabbi Aaron Lane has been the rabbi of the Ashkenazic community in Panama City, Panama, for over 28 years. He's the author of the GPS for Happy Marriage, recommended by many rabbis and therapists. Rabbi Lane, it's to finally have you here. The floor is yours. Shalom Aleichem. First of all, thank you, Coach Menachem, Rabbi Asher, for your insisting that finally we meet up. I have seen um, some of your sessions before. Before I came on, I even actually looked at most of the marriage sessions. Very interesting. And I want to share with you some thoughts. Since you mentioned my mother, who actually contacted you a long, long time ago, she said, you must always one show second, your one book. Second, one second, Rabbi Lane, one second, one second. I, I forgot. Let's, I have to pause this year. Tonight's year, we're learning in Schus. Leil Nishmas. Leil Nishmas, my father-in-law, whose yard site is tonight. He was nifted at a very young age. Uh, Todd Miller from Milwaukee. My wife is actually there. That's why we're going to explain that soon. Why? Because when it comes to the questions, but she's there. And tonight, she should be a schus with Neshama. Tovia ben third yard site. Abilene, sorry, continue. No problem. I was thinking you forgot that. Anyway, so my mother said, make sure you have the book in front all the time. So I'm just going to leave this up here. No, just kidding. So just uh, do keep the aim. I'm sure she's watching. So a shout out for my mother. So here it goes. Basically, what does a rabbi have to write a book on marriage? You know, we have so many things to worry about. For those of you that didn't hear, I came to Panama about 28 years ago. <clears throat> I'm the rabbi of the Ashkenazi Shul called Bethel. The last couple of years, Panama has become very famous. We have many kosher tourism going on. This uh, yeshivacation, we had hundreds and hundreds of people. So it's becoming a hotspot. So there's plenty of things to do in every community. Baruch Hashem Marshall, when we came, there were like 100 families today. Today we have close to 400 families. So we always had things to do. But what happened was I came here when I was 24. My wife was 19. And people started asking me advice for marriage. And I was like, what do I know about marriage? I was married uh, eight months, more or less. And I, really, I realized quickly that in Panama, since it was a very traditional community, people were going to the rabbi before going to the therapist. So I started dedicating a lot of time reading all the Jewish material regarding marriage. And I started developing some ideas and some thoughts. After a while, I wrote a little manual. I gave a send it to two important rabbinim that I respect and admire. One of, them, one of them was my uncle. And he wrote back to me, this is very amateur stuff. And I was like, oh, my. How dare him say that? But he was right. And over the years, I continued to help, try to help, help the couples, like I said, with the, with the little, little knowledge I had, using the people that I've spoke, I was speaking with to understand. And eventually, I gave a talk. And my dear president at the time, a very dear friend of mine, Oliver Shalom, Bruce Eisenman, said, you must write a book. Now imagine, I went to a, a yeshiva, 
they never taught us how to write or how to talk. But eventually, after many years, the book came out. And Baruch Hashem, I know some therapists, a couple of therapists, one specific therapist that told me, one of her kids gave her my book. She says, he doesn't read books from rabbis at large. Every rabbi thinks he's an expert. But it was Shabbos, she was bored, she opened the book, and she said, after she read it, she now recommends it to her, to her clients in therapy. So I'm going to try to bring it down to a couple of minutes, give you the crux, the main thing. And the point really of my book is here to answer one simple question. A shayla I have. The shayla is we all know that when you get married, there are certain mitzvahs. A man has three mitzvahs. Parsha says in Parsha Mishpatim, Sheira, Susa, Ve'inasa, the Yigra. The Rambam mentions this applies to, to all, all marriages. Actually, the Torah speaks about the Amma Ivriya. So the question I have for you is, what is the mitzvah, that a woman has to do for her husband? We know what a husband has to do for his wife. He has to, he has to make sure she has food, she has clothes, the Rambam adds shelter, and relationships. What does a wife have to do for her husband? So I asked this asset tonight, I asked the Rosh Hashiva that did the wedding, and many other people. And the answer is, in the Rambam, you don't see any chi of the iraisa. A woman has to, for what a woman has to do for her husband. I think I saw one opinion that the Mishnah and Ksubis, I'm not going to get into it now, is the iraisa, but almost everyone agrees. There's nothing that a woman has to do, no mitzvah when you get married, that a wife has to do for her husband. And the question is, why? I'll add to that one more question. Everyone knows the famous question on the Pasuk, it's not good manners alone. I'll give him a helper against him. The famous question Rashi asks, why is it Ezer connected? Why is it against him? But the question I would like to add is why does it say it's not good for man to be alone? <coughs> you can ask many men out there that have bad relationships. They might say it's better not to be alone. So how does the Torah, Torah Samus say a sweeping statement? It's not good. Now, if I, if I forget to answer the question, I hope someone remembers at the end, I'll try to answer. So I'm going to get to you my main thought of the book, which basically is that I realized that marriage can't work. By nature, marriage cannot work. In the different speeches that you had over the, year, over the last two years in Get Real, you hear people saying we're opposites, we're different. But I'm going to try to convince you in the, last, in the next five minutes that every marriage is doomed to fail. Now, you might ask me, why would a rabbi try to convince anyone that marriage will fail? And I usually tell Chasna Kala in my, in my office before they get married, I'm going to try to convince you your marriage won't work. Do you think I can accomplish it? The ones that say yes, I get really worried, okay? <laughs> They're really in trouble. Now, why do I want to convince anyone marriage won't work? Because I believe the greatest problem is people think marriage will work. It always works. Naturally, it, will, it works. <clears throat> my parents had a good marriage, my grandparents. And if we understand why it doesn't work, then you can make it work. So that's the objective. I hope in the next five minutes, I can convince all of you. So the point is basically as follows. In life, people look for one thing. 
And if any of you can answer the question, you'll probably say, people look to be happy. What I'm going to say, I just want to make a clarify, is a generalization. There are exceptions to this rule, but this is the Yiddish guide, the Jewish perspective. So, people want to be happy. To be happy, all you need is one thing. What do you think that is? The answer to that question is, all we need for our happiness, some people say peace of mind, some say Torah, Yiddishkeit, many beautiful answers. The one real psychological answer is a healthy self-esteem. Now, we as religious Jews, we believe that Yiddishkeit will give you a good self-esteem. Other people say Amona will give you a good self-esteem. Other people look for other things, but the Common denominators, the tzad hashavah is a person is happy with themselves, sameach b'chelkoi, that's happiness. People look for different things, but the yisoyed, if you're happy with who you are, with what you have, you're going to be happy. Now here comes the very interesting point. By nature, men's self-esteem and women's self-esteem come from different areas. I try to bring it down to three specific points. Men's self-esteem is connected to three words with the letter P. And women's self-esteem are connected to three words with the letter A. Can you think about it? What does a man need? Does he look for every day that builds his self-esteem with the letter P? So most people go to work. You go to work. What do you want to? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to achieve? You want to be successful? Some people want to make money. What does the money give you? And if you're not a business person, maybe you're in the yeshiva, you're in the kailo. What do you want to do in kailo? You're learning Torah lishma, or maybe you want to learn and be appreciated and understand deeper. And people say, "Wow, this guy knows his stuff." So to bring it down in simple words, we look for prestige, power, and pleasure. Yes, it's true. As a, a sincere Jew who works with his middis, that's not a good way to live our life. We need to overcome that. We need to think about humility. Or if you want to quote the Mishnah, um, speaks about the three qualities. That's a beautiful way of living. But what's the nature of our beast? What's the nature of our animal? So if you look at look into it with, with a, a little analysis, you'll be able to see that men look for prestige, power, and pleasure. Women, on the other hand, look for three other things with the letter A. Most people will say they look to feel appreciated, to feel loved. We'll call it affection, A for affection. And affection includes many things. Affection is attention, acknowledgement, admiration. A second A a woman needs is her appearance. Her appearance is part of her self-esteem. And finally, a sense of accomplishment. By the way, we have a very, very big mocking in the tire for this. When it speaks about the, 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 the Pasuk says, simlas <clears throat> isha, when a, a man should not wear the, the clothes of a woman. And a woman should not use the armament of a man. 
the Mishnah explains, a, a man should not think about his appearance, and women should not think about strength, armament. So we see already in the Torah a certain specific difference, men into power, women into appearance. So this is the main point, understanding how we're so different. A couple of examples to bring out this point a little bit better. After supper, obviously when you have a bunch of kids, you have to put them to bed or do homework with them. But if you can remember a moment before you had a bunch of kids, what does a man like to do after he eats, after supper? Most men will try to do something that will give them some type of entertainment. Whether you're going to look in at, at the Yeshiva world or COL, or you're going to open up a Gemara, or you're going to do something else, something that's going to give you a sense of pleasure. That's what men look to do. And most women, I ask the question, what would you like to do after dinner? 99.9% have said, we would like to talk. So why is it that a man is looking for entertainment and a woman is looking to talk? So the, the aside of today's class is going to be the P's and the A's. I'm going to try to help you see how everything is connected to this. A man is looking for pleasure and a woman is looking for attention. Talking for a woman is a way of connecting. Another example. Imagine if a man for his birthday got a bouquet of flowers. What would he do? What would he think? It's a waste of money. In two days, they're going to die. Why would she waste money? But if a husband sent his wife flowers, how would that sound? Does a woman get excited when she gets flowers? Unless she's allergic to them, the answer is yes. Can anyone explain the difference? Why does flowers work for a woman and it doesn't work for a man? And the answer is men are looking for peace, prestige, power, and pleasure. None of those elements are fulfilled by a bouquet of flowers. On the other hand, when a woman gets flowers, she feels loved, affection. That's very special. And the same thing applies with the third example is words of affection. Ask yourself a sincere question. Do men need to hear that they're loved as much as their spouses, their wives need to hear it? Many women think yes. Many men know the answer is no. Say the story about this husband, the night of his wedding, tells his wife, I love you very much. And unless those feelings change, I don't plan on repeating those words. When I stop loving you, I'll tell you. Now that's so insensitive. But from the man's brain, it makes a lot of sense. If we're married, obviously we must love each other. And when we stop loving each other, we'll, we'll finish. <clears throat> if you tell that to a woman, she'll say you're crazy. It's obvious that you need to hear words of affection. Why? Why is it so obvious? Because a woman is connected to the three A's. That's her self-esteem. And if she doesn't hear it and it's not reinforced, reinforced, it's a problem. Now, by the way, men need to hear words also, but different words. Tell a man, wow, you're so smart. It's, how did you do How did you figure that out? You're a genius. That is great. Now you're talking because, because, because you build up his peace. He feels prestige. My wife thinks so highly of me. That's great. So basically that's, in simple words, the difference between men and women. To give you another source in Yiddish guide, after Chava, Adam and Chava sin, what does Hashem tell Chava? 
You will desire your spouse. By the way, Rashi has a different one explanation, but the Emek HaMelech says very clearly that a woman needs affection, constant affection. And to wrap it up, here's the problem. When a man is looking for his peace, for his needs, for his happiness, his prestige, his power and pleasure, where is his wife? She feels that she's not part of his world. So she's chasing him, looking for her affection. But as long as he's focused on his needs, she's feeling abandoned. What does a wife do when she feels abandoned? When she doesn't feel she's getting her needs. When her self-esteem starts going down, <clears throat> we know what happens. She starts getting anxious. She starts getting stressed, maybe getting a little depressed. And who's at fault? Her husband. So what does she do? She lashes out, whether it's directly or indirectly. She starts complaining about anything because she's just upset. How, is her, his, how does her husband take it? Say, well, what's wrong with you? And she won't say, you know, I don't think you love me because he's going to say, you're crazy. Go see a, see a therapist. I slave away every day. I go to work. I get up for the next meeting to get on time to Davin, to work all day, to support the family. And you say, I don't love you. Are you serious? So she doesn't even feel she can say her feelings because he's not understanding. So here's the Nakuda, the bottom line. Marriage by nature. As long as we look for our nature, men looking for their peace, women looking for their A's, they're drifting apart. Eventually, that creates all the problems. If we understand it, and when men can start understanding their wife's needs and women, their husband's needs, we can start working on this. And I'd like to end off this thought with, I gave this talk at a Chabad house in Florida a couple of years ago. The rabbi who was married 45 years says, you know, everything you said applies to my marriage. And he's giving marriage counseling and he's helping others. But sometimes we don't even see the essential issues that we have. So that was, this would be my opener. I think if people would focus on understanding these differences, we say, Yediyas hamaka chatzirafor. The reason we over and over get into the same problem, I remember when I got married, I said to myself, what issues can we have? We both have similar needs, right? We both need to eat. We both need to sleep. We both need to rest. We both need to work. We must be the same. And over time, I started understanding these differences. Not understanding the differences is doomed to fail. Okay. You're so smart. <laughs> very good, very good. Very good. I'm already learning, you see? Shkayach, um, the opening was beautiful. Okay, we have a lot of questions that came in. Again, everybody who's here tonight, if anybody wants to ask, live question goes first. Please text. There's, there's Usher Parnas me with the camera, and then there's another Usher Parnas questions. Text Usher Parnas questions, the question, and Machem um, will put you online to ask. The live course goes first. Rezaikh to have Rabbi Aaron Lane over here from Panama City. He wants to answer questions. We want to really understand the, the, the A's and the P's and the C's and the D's. We want to get it all. We want to get clear with it. And uh, let's do that. Before we start, Rabbi, uh, let's, uh, let's take a poll, and uh, then we'll get into the questions. Okay, Rabbi Lane? Here we go. This is just two very basic questions. We want to see what people are going to answer, just to stimulate the conversation. First question is, 
Who do you feel is more connected in a marriage relationship? A, men. B, woman. Overall, both. So again, the question is, who's more connected? Who's the one that's more into the connection? Is it the men? Is it the woman? Or overall, both? Second question is the... The issues in your marriage today are, listen to the question, very interesting question. Totally different from when you first got married. So when you first got married, whatever the issues were, that was then. Now you're married, who knows how many years, it's different issues. No, the same problems we had from day one is the same issues that we have five, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 75 years later. And option C, both old problems and now the new problems as the years went on. To answer those two questions, I know these are very broad and I know it's very all over the place. But we want to bring out some points and see what the other answers. No rebellions, good, good questions. Excellent. Okay, let, let that. Uh, I, I, I can't see the answers yet. We're going to share it. You could see it. No right? problem, no problem. I'm, I'm, I'm not spilling the beans. Don't spill the beans. Don't spill the beans. Okay, five seconds. Five, four, three, two, no, one. Okay, almost everybody voted. Here we go. Let's share it. Everybody, you ready? Who go. do you feel is more connected in the marriage relationship? You ready? 4% of people feel men. 71% feel women. And 26% are making up sure side men and side women. No, Rabbi well, what's what's going on? Explain that to me. Very good. It's excellent. It's That's what we spoke about. The P's and the A's. If a man needs his prestige, power, and pleasure, there's no, there's a very, there's a lack of connection. There's a lack of connecting to others. It's very selfish. A woman needs affection. She needs to feel love. So she knows how to give love. That's the nature of the relationship. Women by nature are, are always giving affection because they need affection. They understand affection. You know, the guy tells his wife, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so hungry. She goes, oh, finally you have a feeling, you know. <laughs> men have a hard time to express their feelings. How many men can really be vulnerable? Men are very closed up. So this is a this statistic brings out the point very clearly. Okay, now the second question. The issues in your marriage today are 25% of people said totally different from when they got married. 31% 31% of people say the problems is the same problem we have from day one. Those are the same issues that are keep on happening. And 44% feel it's both. It's a mixture of the old and the new. I believe comment on that. I don't know your crowd. You have a very interesting crowd. <laughs> so I believe, so what happens is, when we speak about the beginning, there's a lot of issues that the first year of marriage we're not even aware of, okay? Because everything is lovey-dovey. At the first year of marriage, really not... Since it's so exciting, we're not fo- we're not seeing the negative of our spouse. So therefore, many people are going to say things are very different. At the same time, there might be some people that are haven't changed. At the beginning of the relationship, things weren't working out, and they really never dealt with it. And obviously, like you said, overall both both you have uh, you have kids, you have new issues that have come up. But I honestly believe that maybe if this question was worded a little bit differently. The main issue that I think we all have is that women are don't feel the connection that they would like. No, I remember years ago, I, I, it dawned upon me that all the people that came to my office, the women were saying the marriage is not so good. The men were saying we have a great marriage. 
You know the story of the woman, the, a woman tells her friend, when my, my husband says he has a great marriage, I always wonder, to whom is he married? And it's a very fascinating thing that how do we, the number we give to our relationship, what, how do I think I'm doing? What I found, most women think their marriage is not as good as their husband's did because their need of emotional intimacy is not fulfilled as much as the husband's need in relationship. Okay, Rabbi Lane, just before we get into questions, I have a few live ones and we have the, a bunch of questions that came in. Just Adam's asking, please slowly repeat that. Everybody can write it down. The three P's and the three A's. What's the three P's? Okay, so men look for prestige, power, and pleasure. Okay, now the woman? Those are the three things that they look for. Now, a woman might look for pleasure also, but those are the three things that build their self-esteem. Okay? A woman, for her self-esteem, she needs to feel loved, which we're going to call affection. Part of affection is attention and many other details, but the main point is affection. A woman needs for her self-esteem to feel good about her appearance, and a woman needs a sense of accomplishment. To clarify that word, in the olden days, marriage was your sense of accomplishment. You didn't need anything besides that. The Torah says a man has to give his wife she'era, ksusa ve'inasa, right? Food, garments, and intimacy, which basically, if you think about it, there is giving her affection, that's intimacy, giving her her appearance, giving her clothes, and her sense of accomplishment was marriage. That was the greatest thing. Today, which we have a different world, a little bit evolved, women have jobs, some have careers. Regardless, a woman needs to feel accomplished, something special, whether it's her motherhood, being a balabasta, whatever it is, she has to feel a sense of accomplishment. Okay, beautiful. Okay, let's start off with a few questions that came in to get it going, and Metsham will go, they'll jump to the live. Okay, let's start with the first basic question. The divorce rate seems very high these days. A few of my friends are already separated. Some of them are divorced. It seems like marriages are so hard and almost meant to fail. What does the rabbi think about what's going on in today's day and age? Okay, there's a joke I like to say. Some people think it's too, it's too harsh, but uh, it's just a joke, guys. No, the old couple comes to the rabbi. He's 90. The rabbi says, how can I help you? He goes, no, we want to get divorced. He goes, want to get divorced? How old are you? He said, I'm 95. And your wife, 90. The rabbi says, what are you waiting? How long are you fighting? He goes, for 75 years. So the rabbi says, so what are you waiting? What were you waiting for? We're waiting for the kids to die. <laughs> so basically, in the olden days, we knew you got married, and that's it. Many of our grandparents and great-grandparents, their marriage wasn't, uh, was perfect for, a, for, for, for therapy, okay? But it wasn't an issue. You got married. It wasn't important who you married. You got married. You saw the one time. Invite to your father. So the commitment to marriage, the commitment not to affect our kids, Besides the other elements, there wasn't a taboo. Women had less independence. All these elements together, obviously, made a, makes a big difference to, to before and now. From a spiritual perspective, the Rebbe writes that because for Mashiach to come, you need avas chinam. That's why the Satan works harder that we should have sinas chinam, even a marriage. But the good news is, Usher, that if you read the book, GPS for a Happier Marriage, and understand 
what's the reason that it's not working? It's a whole different level. It's like, instead of taking Tylenol, try to understand why you have headaches. Maybe you, don't, maybe you need to have glasses, okay? And the Tylenol is not fixing your problem. So what happens is most marriages don't get the point. I'm sure some people on your, in your audience heard of a book, Men Are From Mars, Men Are From Venus, there's famous books. He sold 60 million copies. I'm almost, I'm almost there, okay? But these people don't get the, they just say there's differences between men and women. And I want people to understand why, what are those differences? And if you understand it on the level of your self-esteem, the whole thing changes. Because now it's not like, oh, again and again. No, if you understood why he or she is reacting this way, we stop taking it personally. And that's, and that's a game changer. Okay, Murray Dick, Reverly. Okay, let's go to the first live question and uh, you're on. Okay, so I, I know this couple who's for a long time and they're having, you can tell it's obvious, Shalom Bayes problems. So I went over to them and I said, oh, I, I, I was wondering if I could help you. Maybe, maybe you want to talk to somebody. They got very angry and for the next six years, they didn't talk to me and I wanted to help. So, okay, after six years, we, we, uh, we figured it out and I, you know, I, I, I didn't say anything and now we're friendly but I still see that there's a problem and it hurts me to the core. Is there anything I could do or should just stay away? I think they gave you the answer six years ago. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. first of all, first of all, great. It says, uh, right? To be, to, we say every morning in the, the Mishnah in Birch HaShachar, there's the great greatest mitzvahs, but also the our 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 chazal tell us It's also just like it's important to say something will be listened to. It's important not to, to refrain when you know they're not going to listen. So in this situation where they clearly told you bug off, um, I think you have to leave it to them. What is nice, you could obviously say. If you're in a better relationship, you no. Know, I was. I saw this get real wonderful episode, uh, Rabbi Lane. I think every single couple in Lakewood should see it. I, I think you'd enjoy it. I'm getting his book. Now you can say if you want. Somebody texted me and honestly send them a copy of GPS. <laughs> <laughs> no, but now they're gonna know it's it's her friend. <laughs> uh, I think all, all you can do is say if you need, I'm available, and that's it. It's their choice. Now, there's another interesting question that came in. Um, see, I tell my husband something that's important for me, and he tells me, sure, he'll do it, he'll take care of it. But almost every time, he doesn't do it. Why is it so hard for my husband to understand what I need? And why do I have to tell him a hundred times? Well, wow. it sounds like my wife. Did she write in the question? <laughs> They all, so, came, they all came from the same email address. Wife of Rabbi Padam. I don't know who that is. <laughs> no, I was, it's, a, it's a very interesting thing, but let me ask you a question. Whoever wrote that question, how many times do we decide to do something and we just can't get it done? How many times do you say, I'm going to start doing exercise? I'm going to start walking every day. You know, this week, I'm going to start my diet. Maybe this week, I'm not going to get angry. My kids are going to spill the milk. They're going to make havoc. I'm not going to get angry. And what happens? Why do we once again fall into the problem? You know the answer. 
because there's some stuff that just naturally aggravates. It's hard to control yourself if you have a hard time with your diet. It's hard to start walk, going on the treadmill. And it's hard to control our anger sometimes. So I think it's important to be able to identify that if my spouse is not reacting to what I'm saying, what, what can I do differently? It doesn't mean that they don't love me. It doesn't mean they don't care about me. It does mean that it's not their nature. You know, on a, personally, I am very forgetful. I remember the beginning of my marriage, even till today, my wife would have, call me up and say, can you get me something from, from the show? Bring me a book, bring me a safer, bring me something. And I would hang up the phone. My mind would get, get involved with something. After I'd forget. This would happen repetitive times to my uh, Mazel, my wife is relaxed and she would remind me again and again. And eventually I started figuring out new ways. I would put the book on my table and then forget it on the table. Then I'll put my keys, the car keys on the top of the book. Eventually it started getting better. But the point was, it's not like I was trying to ignore her request. And the same thing applies to everyone. If you're asking your husband to stop smoking, for instance, or whatever it is, it might be very difficult for you. And probably what happens after this third time you ask him or the fourth time, now you're really not asking him. You're really like, mm, you know, breathing down his throat or making him feel uncomfortable. Now, there are certain things that are easier to change and other things that are more difficult to change. Ask Coach Menachem, should I try to change my spouse? That's a separate session. And obviously, right. it doesn't work. And I think one of the, uh, if I remember hearing one of the um, speeches of one of the um, therapists, said, don't change your spouse. It's not going to work. You're going to frustrate them. You're going to frustrate yourself. But at the same time, if it's something you really need, it's really about learning how to sit down and having the conversation and talking about it in a nice way. Uh, the art of communication, the third part of the book, speaks a lot about that detail. And it's something very valuable, very important. It's like, let's take an example. Someone that's colorblind, right? If you're colorblind. And someone wants to explain to that person the color green. How would you do that? Well, it's not black. It's not red. But what is it? So there's some things about our personality, which is colorblind. And when you, you just tell me, do A, B, and C, because you're organized, you expect me to be organized, because you're not forgetful, I should be not forgetful, etc. it doesn't always work that way. So if you said it a hundred times, I congratulate you. Gamara says, this, uh, someone who learns Torah a hundred times is loyavadi. That's not good enough. If you learn a hundred and one times, that's a bigger accomplishment. So with patience, like you know, a lot of people tell me, you know, my husband, he's like one of my kids. How many times I have to say it over? And what do you do with your kids? You say it again, patiently, and again. And emerge to say one day it has its impact. There's no one thing that's for sure. If you have a normal marriage, your husband or your wife is not out to get you. And if they're not reacting, don't get frustrated. That's not going to help. Figure out a new technique. I'm gonna I'm gonna push it further. What if they tried already? <laughs> we discussed it, and it's not working. It's like the woman who called up her friend after six days. She suggested they should get uh, some marriage help. Hey. In every marriage, there's a certain point where you have to say, this is not going to change. Uh, again, if it's unhealthy, if it's dangerous, if it's other stuff, you have to speak to your rub or to another therapist. But there's some things that's like, you know, just leave it alone. We all have areas, you know, 
before we get married, we realize that we're imperfect, okay? Everyone's imperfect. But when we get married, we want to perfect our spouse. They have to become perfect. How perfect? As perfect as I am. I stopped seeing my chesreinus, I just see your chesreinus. The Friedrich Rebbe, when he was a child, once asked his father, why is that we have two eyes? One. We have two eyes, one nose, one mouth. Why two eyes? And, the Friedrich, and his father, the Rebbe Hashab said, the right eye is to see the good in others, and the left is to see, look at a candy, or to look at your, your imperfections. With your right eye, see the good of someone else. Why do we have to look with our strong eye, the bad of our spouse? Look at only the good. And that's the bottom line. For marriage to work, we have to stop seeing the negative. Again, unless it's, it's unbearable, uh, it needs to be dealt with. The, you're, there's a gambling problem. There's an addiction problem. There's obviously, there's, there's, there's exceptions to the rule. But in many areas, someone just gets stubborn about something, and, and it's not going to make a difference. So in Spanish, we say, take a tranquilizer, which is a tranquilizer, and move on. So you're saying it doesn't have to be um, they're doing half and half in the house. It doesn't have to be that they're doing things together. And if somebody feels they're doing more than the other, it's, uh, they, it, it, it's possible that one does more than the other. We always do more than our spouse, okay? Every spouse thinks they're doing more, generally. There's exceptions. Because what you do for me, it's feel, it doesn't feel so hard. What I do for you, it's such a sacrifice. You remember you asked your kid? You asked your kid uh, to do something, small thing. He doesn't want. It takes an hour to get it done. And he thinks, ah, I worked so hard for Shabbos. I said, uh, I put six cups. What we don't like to do, and we do it for our spouse. We feel like an Iber Levinish. It's unbelievable. But all the 10 things that they did for us, it feels natural. So ultimately, we all feel that we do much more. And in a normal marriage, in a normal relationship, we need to work on it. Yes, many people don't have functioning relationships for whatever reason. And that's part of the reasons they're, they're on uh, Get Real or they're reading books and they're listening to experts. And it's okay. And it's normal because no one teaches us how to get married. There's no course, very good course, of, of help us understanding to get married. And I think it's important. Today, I think it's, you have it more than before, but to understand the differences. Well, you know, in the book, it says, the things they should have told me. That's on the cover, you know? Some things no one told us. And if we knew them, we understood them, we would have a better perspective and an easier time. Okay, live question, you're on. Okay, basically, um... Baruch Hashem, we have a great marriage. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, my husband doesn't have a particular strength that I would like him to have, for example, problem-solving skill. Um, and it always um, makes me look down at him in a certain way. Like, it gets me frustrated and whatever. My question is, how can I still um, have that big respect and give him that admiration that he needs, even if I know that he's lacking this skill and... It bothers me, <laughs> um, but I do know I do constantly look at the positive that he has, and we pr I praise him, and um, it's just this, you know, let's say these particular things that. That's a, that's a great question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess, and I don't know you that you have some uh, masculine skills that you're able to get stuff done, and you have a different personality, and he he has more maybe feminine skills, and it's it's tough. 
Those are different, different, difficult relationships. But I see that you're on the right path. Uh, you're, it's normal to get frustrated once in a while. You marry the guy. I'm not sure how long you're married. Baruch Hashem, he's doing certain things. Uh, I guess he's either he's in Kerala or he's working. He's supporting the family. What you need to do, in my humble opinion, is only focus on the things you're happy about. If chas v'shalem, something happened, you know, to one of our spouses, they got into an accident, and uh, there's certain things they're not capable of doing anymore. What do we do? We just ignore that. And again, this is easy for me to say, for me to say but if you want to have a happy marriage, it's if you're able to take your, your, your focus and just look at the good in your husband. Because every time you look at the other thing, you feel you're lacking. But ultimately, you know, as, as religious Jews, we believe this is part of our mission. Hashem gives us the husband or wife that we need. And it's not just about marriage, being successful, uh, having a good life. It's about helping us fulfill our mission in the world. And if for some reason, Hashem chose this husband for you to make you a stronger person or to, to teach you how to overcome that. Say, Hashem, thank you. I'm going to do the best I can. Yeah, and while you're saying it, um, it uh, it's, remind, it's, it's, it's reminding me. It makes me think that um, it might be underlying, it might be triggering an underlying, let's say, feeling that I might have, like a, a fear or something. And, and that's really what's, what's bothering me, not necessarily the, the, the lack that he has. Okay, excellent. You should be on the program next. Very good. Identifying the real issue. It's very important. Because we all have some issues. We have some hidden traumas, as Rabbi JJ always speaks about, or YY speaks about. That's a good yeah, idea. So identifying that would definitely bring me to working on myself, which is like Amuna and stuff like that. So, yeah, thank you. 100%. Excellent. It's a very, very good example of not everyone can be vulnerable with their spouse. Not always can you open up. It's, it might be better if she speaks with if you speak to somebody who can help you and not go over to your spouse and say, this bothers me, because at the end of the day, it is. Um, something that you want your spouse to change. So if there are triggers there. So if you find the third party, it makes it easier. But I think this is a very good example for many people, many issues in marriage. Basically, they have one thing they want their spouse to change. That's it. They wish. All they're asking is if they can change that one thing. So what you're saying is really, it's, there's a lot of acceptance, which can be hard. You know, like you mentioned, an accident, but he wasn't in an accident. So there's a lot of acceptance and realizing who the person is, finding the positives, and then eventually to love what is with, with, the, with the lack. And uh, I, I know it's work, but this can answer a lot of people's questions. I'd like to add one thing, which I find very valuable. You know, I spoke about the P's and the A's. I mentioned before, generally, Men are usually the, the go-getters, prestige, power, and pleasure. The chivshua, the Gemara speaks about the man, the conqueror, right? The woman taking care of the home. And this usually has a, po a positive. The, the wife can admire her husband. He's this real go-getter. He's this tough guy. Now, there are relationships that I've seen which are just the opposite and are very difficult. Like what you're describing to me now. My husband is not the go-getter. He's like the quieter one. And I'm like the go-getter. And sometimes I want him to be the go-getter. So I just want to remind you that usually the marriages where the husband is the real tough one, 
usually you have someone you could admire, but at a certain point, it starts working against you because these strong personalities aren't usually so sensitive and so affectionate. The other marriages where the husband is not such a go-getter, they're usually very nice and they're very sensitive and they're, and, and they're personal. So that's also a very big, huge thing in marriage. So maybe you're not getting the first part, which we always want to look up to this husband, but you're getting the second part, which is very valuable. And then focusing on that, I think, would also be very helpful. Beautiful, Evelyn. Okay, we have a bunch of live questions. Okay, um, you're on. Okay, so I know a bunch of people that have this question, and um, I'm wondering how one can deal with a husband who doesn't have the best hygiene. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so really, let's, let's speak about in general whether it's hygiene or anything else, we need to learn how to have communication, okay? Which means what I feel happens usually, a husband and a wife, they talk about issues when they're upset. So if I come and my husband has a lack of hygiene and I'm gonna sit down and talk to him, he's not gonna hear anything about hygiene. He's gonna hear that I am very upset with him and I can't believe how, how he doesn't brush his teeth or he doesn't take a shower every day. I mean, how does he do it? So usually what our spouses are hearing is full rejection and not a conversation. And this applies in all areas. I'll give you the example that I like to use. Men usually drive wilder or more irresponsible than their wives would like. What does a woman usually do in the car? She says, Moise, watch out. Moise, relax. And what does the husband usually respond? What does Moise say? No. I'm driving already since I'm 16. You know, next time, you're going to drive. What's, what's happening here? And what happens if five minutes later, the six-year-old from the back seat says, Tati, could you slow down? Do you think the father will turn around and lash out at his son? What's the difference? So the answer is very simple. What a woman is telling her husband, you know, I'm, he's trying to tell him, I'm scared. You, the way you took that corner, the way you cut off the guy, I'm, I'm really scared. But what's he hearing? He's hearing a criticism. She's complaining. She's saying, you're irresponsible. You're going to put our life in danger. That's what he's hearing. When his son says it, the six-year-old, what does he hear? The kid's petrified. And that's what happens most of the times in our conversations. We don't know how to have a conversation because when we sit down to talk, there's a certain stress. Our spouse is feeling criticized already. Either it's our body language or the tone of voice or the rejection. And that doesn't go anywhere. We have never been able to fix a problem. Ever. And that's why we've, we've had yeah. many conversations. Okay. And when we were happy, you know, like nothing was wrong. Nothing was, you know, like just bringing it up when it's, you know, when it's a happy time, not just bringing okay. it up when, you know, I'm upset about it. And what does your and husband say? What does he say? He's like, yeah, I told, I totally understand. Thank you for telling me. And then he doesn't do it. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's go a step further. Why do you think he's not doing it? You think he's doing it in spite or because he has a natural, let's call he's not it used to it, laziness, he's not used to having someone okay. who cares about him, uh, not, maybe cares about him or he doesn't want to feel controlled. But I, what I'm hearing you tell you're saying that he's he's agreeing with you. But there's something that tells me that he's he, I'm not going to say lazy, but he has this area makes him feel lazy. He doesn't feel it so important. So although his wife said it's important when he went back after three days, his his uh, original drive just brought him back 
out of it. So, so what I would recommend, if you had a good conversation, that was a positive conversation, and worked for two days, okay, now we start, but we do with our kids, positive reinforcement, and after four days, it stopped. You say, no, hey, Moishu, I have to tell you, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know it's hard for you. I know you don't understand, but it's so important for me. And then if after we can stop again, you sit down and say with the same smile and say, Moishu, I really love you so much. And, and I know you don't mean to hurt me. And you're nothing's not against me. But what happens at a certain point? You obviously start feeling that he doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't have a purpose, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there is you no... Know, Going back to our first thing, I said it a hundred times. For some reason, there's some chip in your husband's brain that is just not working. And it's like someone has to go read through rehabilitation and how many months do they have to learn to move that arm? And it's with re reinforcement and encouragement. And that, that's the game. There's nothing else that's going to work. Pressure is not going to work. Getting upset is not going to work. It's, not gonna make, it's really helping him understand that you're accepting him, you love him, but this is so important. He's not really getting how important it is, or for some reason he has some type of issue, and I'm not sure what it is, from that has that makes it very hard for him to do whatever you're expecting. Okay, thank you. Good luck. Let's go to let's go to the next question. You're on. Hi. Okay, first of all, I just wanted to thank you for the intro. It was really clear and powerful. I'm mute. I'm mute. Let's unmute her. Hold on. I'm mute again because you muted yourself. Sorry. Sorry. Hello? Hi, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, now continue. Hi, sorry. Okay, first, no, I just wanted to thank you for the for the intro. It was very nice. I appreciate it. Um, I know you were touching on this before um, when you were saying that you sometimes get forgetful. So I have, I guess, the opposite. My husband will ask me to do something, take care of something, and I forget, and he'll get upset. You know, he'll say, you know, if it's important enough to you, then you should remember about it. So he feels like, I guess this will, you know, dampen his three Ps, right? That it, it's not, a, I guess he feels like I'm not caring enough about him. But obviously it's not that. I just, you know, Baruch Hashem, I have a busy home and I'm busy and, you know, we're both working and it's, I just get forgetful and these things happen. So how can I make him understand that? That it's not that I don't care about him, I just... Have a great, simple idea. Buy the book and read it with him. He doesn't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. How about the audio book? <laughs> okay. Have a simpler idea. Get the book. You read it. Underline the 12 or 15 or 20 lines that you think are important for him. Another idea. When things are good, when things are happening, no. I usually, I mean, I, I'm, I guess you're married a couple of years already, but I think one of the most valuable tips I give to couples that are getting married, and sometimes maybe it should happen for people that are married 20 years, is to sit down weekly and talk about your relationship. Say, so how's it going? No, I'm really, I'm really happy. Your dinners are hot. I, but I, have, I would like to add, request, have a wish list. What's my request? Maybe you can make a different menu. You know, already 30, we're married 20 years. Every Monday we have the same food. Maybe you can change the menu. Okay. And also, the how, whenever I come home, the kids are did their homework, whatever. Speaking about the marriage and being able to share something nice, one of your wish lists and something nice is such a very positive way. Because like I mentioned the woman before, what usually happens is the conversations when you forget something else, he's going to get upset again. He says it in a nice way. And you're feeling frustrated. And he's not, you're not feeling appreciated. And you're feeling rejected. Hey, you need to, like the other 
think it's Rabbi Schaefer or Shafir, uh, mentioned, do your weekly date or every two weeks and sit down and talk about everything and let him understand how much you care about him and let him understand that you have issues. It's not against him. It's not against anything. You have a part of your brain that's a little bit broken and you, you, need, to, you need a little bit more, uh, he needs to cut you some more slack. That weekly meeting, I think, is very, very important. Because that, especially the first couple of years. In the first year, you can tell your spouse 50 things that usually will come out in the, the worst way. If you're not saying it in a, as part of your wish list, it usually comes out when you're upset. And you know what you did or what you didn't do. That's really uh, very important. Right. Okay. And I think, and I had another question also. Um, I know that, um, this person right before me touched on it also. When you have something like um, about your spouse that really, really bothers you, it's hard to live with, right? I know you always say, you know, like a thing, you can't change your spouse, but if it's something that is very hard to live with, it's not dangerous. It's not like that. It's just, it's just uncomfortable or it's just not happy or whatever it is. How do you do that? So again, this is about the relationship, the conversation you need what, what happens, unfortunately, in most of our homes, especially of a bunch of kids, no, we, we, we forget about the relationship. And marriage has to come to a point where my spouse is my best friend and we can talk about things. But usually it doesn't happen for whatever reason. And that's where you really need to focus. You need to get back to the point where finding that time, and that's what all the other speakers spoke about, finding that time that you can share and become friends and, you know, I wasn't in here last year, last week's speech, but the vulnerability. So, you know, my whole life is about you and the family. And there's, I have some needs. And, and, and I really would, would appreciate if you can help with it. Now, what's the specific thing again? If for, I'm not sure why he's not changing it. Is he feeling controlled? Uh, is, 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 is this pacifier? I don't know. But if it's very important to you, trying to convince him, a las malas, as we say in Spanish, you know, forcefully is never going to work. It's trying again with all the sweetness that you can give him. And at the same time, understanding if regardless of this, he's not changing it. You have to at some point accept, am I going to fight about it and ruin our marriage? Or am I going to realize he has uh, some type of broken chip? Like just like you said, you have an issue of remembering stuff. For some reason, he has an issue. I'm not sure what it is. And that might be holding him back. And I'm not sure what's holding him back because human beings, normal people in a normal relationship would say, hey, your wife asked you this. What's the big deal? Then again, you have people that know. They have to make sure they come home Friday and Shabbat, uh, Shabbos at 1.30. Or he has to go out twice a week to play uh, whatever he does with his friend. And the wife says, no, this is this time I need. And he says, no, this is how I, and there's, there's learning communication and learning how to come to an agreement. Some people have a concept, which no, I'm the, I'm the husband and you're my wife has listened to me. And that's uh, the good old style, machista. And, and you should listen to me. And there are some people that are brought up with that and they believe it as a, as a what's the word? A mantra, that's, that's, what they, that's a, pr- a principle there. And that's a bigger problem. Then you need to speak to his rabbi, you need to speak to his rabbi, to speak to Rosh Hashiva, because then it's like principle. And when it's against my principles. So there's many other elements that need to be dealt with to see how to address your specific issue. Okay. Rabbi Lane, you ready? Ready or not. Okay. You're on. Hi, Hi. How are you? Thank you so much for tonight. 
Um, first of all, I apologize if I, if I have a funny picture on. I don't know if it's on or not. Um, but I have a question I just wanted to know. Um, I, I know that, you know, you have this program, there are other marriage programs and things like that. How, when does a person um, recognize or know the signs that they're in a toxic relationship and it's abusive and such a program is not, or, or is such a program helpful for something like that? Um, and, or they need out. You know what I mean? Like, how do, when does a person know that their marriage is toxic and abusive and they just need a, they, they need a divorce and these programs are not, you know. Right. So, so the answer is, I really can't answer that question, obviously, over a Zoom talk. Um, I think you really need to reach out to a professional, a coach, a therapist, and, and talk this out because there's many de- issues and details you need to mention that I don't think you should mention on this forum. Um, if you're asking the question, that means there's a serious problem and you should definitely get some help. I deeply believe like people who yeah. are on people who are on here tonight, some of yes. them don't know that they're in an abusive, toxic relationship and they're thinking, oh, maybe I should just, you know, learn to ignore this or learn to ignore that when maybe their partner is really abusive. So, you know, how does one know that they should go about following this program or this is a toxic situation? Not just for me, for everybody, really. Excellent. That's a that's a great, great question. What would be the uh, red flags, okay? Well, let's start. Um, physical abuse is a red flag, okay? Constant emotional abuse, always putting me what, down. What's the criteria? Oh, okay, yeah. Always putting me down, screaming, anger out, um, outbursts. Oh, these are, these are red flags, okay? If once in a while we have a disagreement, I would say a regular couple can have a disagreement uh, once every couple of days, maybe a small fight uh, once a week, once every two weeks. I mean, it's possible, okay? Everyone's different. It depends how much you work on your relationship. But like I said, if there's substance abuse, physical aggression, emotion, constant emotional aggression, um, where a wife feels that she's a shmata, she doesn't feel loved anywhere, besides when they go to the mikvah, she needs serious help and she should reach out. If, if someone if someone is not sure, then obviously this program will not be able to help them. They should reach out to a one-on-one, somebody that they can discuss it with. Just by sitting over here and listening might give them the insight. But if you're not sure, find someone you can discuss it. And there is a program out there, Shalom Task Force. You can always ask, tell them your situation, and they will clarify. They will tell you where you are. Thank you. Okay, Rabbi Lane, let's, let's, let's have another one, then we have a lot more I want to cover tonight. Okay, you're on. Okay, thanks. So um, I just wanted to know if um, a spouse is on like a dating app and then they finally say that they're ready to go to therapy, but they're not like responsible. They feel like it's still the, the wife's fault and everything. Um, what's the best way to go about that? Like, what, like... <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I had a different kind of question, but I'm just trying to like figure out. Like, that, that's a great question. So most, I'm sorry. Did you finish the question? Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, just, I went to ask somebody like, like, do people ever get over this? And like, they were just saying to me, like, this is actually so common in the community. Like men are on all kinds of dating apps these days, married men. And like, this is just like, I felt like, okay, I'm not the only one. What do people do? And there's such a mistrust and you want to have a beautiful marriage and like bring the Kedusha back in and like maybe it's this person's 
you know, one of the P's that they were like, I don't know, going off with. I don't know. Okay, so, so if I understood, you said that he's on a dating app. Is that what I heard? Yeah. You, you need to call a professional, okay? Uh, basically, For sure. well, obviously, let's 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 uh, backtrack a second. Unfortunately, the the world, and especially the religious world, has been seriously affected by this huge uh, Sahara, which is called the internet and the smartphones, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there are big challenges. And I would say, I would have to say that maybe in the past, such a thing would be zero tolerance. But today the temptation is so huge. I don't think it could be zero. It should be zero tolerance anymore. But it's definitely something that needs to be dealt with. And this is something that no. If you if obviously you know he's he's involved and he's not yet accepting to go to therapy is because obviously he has a big Sahara. and you need to insist that you go to therapy. And obviously in a, ther- a therapy a therapist will help him. And there's other programs he has to go on, but. I'm gonna. Ha- I'm gonna also feel or suggest that your relationship has gone downhill, and unfortunately, what he should be receiving in his home, he's not receiving, and not because, of course, it's your fault, but because how the dynamics happen. And part of what happens is, like I said at the beginning, I'm not sure if you heard the intro. Since we're so different, men are in different worlds. If we don't start working at the at the marriage at the beginning. It's so much easier to get involved with something outside because marriage requires effort. It's like, you know, dog, the dog is man's best friend. Of course, you don't have to do anything. He's always there. He's in a waggless tail. He's going to bark and he's going to lick you. Fine. That's not what marriage is. Marriage is effort. And therefore, it's very easy in a relationship which hasn't been perfect or very well and has been with some problems that every relationship will have, especially if you don't understand the P's and the A's, it's doomed to have issues. So one of the results is people start moving into other things. And as of now, he doesn't understand what he's losing uh, over the couple over the years that this has deteriorated. Now you have to, we have to come back and recreate this relationship, recreate a passionate relationship to give him the strength, more strength to be able to, uh, to stay away from the other things that's, that's, that's tempting. Okay. Okay, Rabbi Lynn, powerful. Um, a lot more questions. Okay, let's try to cover some more ground over here. Um, it's a man's question. You ready? Somebody, somebody texted, are men more into the, remember, did the poll, men or women are more into the connection of marriage? So somebody texted back, it looks like there's mostly men, women here tonight. <laughs> so you should see from the Zoom, Haraya. Okay, this is a man question. I want to ask about a common problem I'm assuming a lot of men can relate to. I run a larger business where work hours are all the time. And there are times when I come home in the middle of a call, although I acknowledge my wife's presence, she gets quite upset. I don't get it. What's the big deal? Why is she taking it so personal like I'm trying to hurt her when I'm doing this so I can make parnasa for the entire family so I can pay for things? That's a great question. Very common. I remember when it happened to me after I got my phone. And let's go backtrack a second to our P's and the A's. What is the greatest joy of a wife, of a woman, what's her greatest self-esteem when she feels loved by her spouse? After a whole day that your husband is, in, her husband is in the office working, and she's also probably working, when, she, when he comes home and she's there, 
her greatest joy is to feel that he's happy to see her as much as she is happy to see him. So when he walks into the home, speaking on the phone, for her, it's not about there's a phone call. For her, for her this means that he really is not so excited to see her. He's more interested to be on the phone. And of course, it could be there are exceptions to the rule and there's an emergency. But overall, if this is happening constantly, because he can appreciate how important it's for his wife when he comes home. And she wants to feel that's how important it's for him when he comes home. But unfortunately, because he's connected wired differently, he's not connected to this affection. He doesn't see the point. She says, well, what are you hacking a Chinese? What's the big deal? I'm on the phone. What's the, I said, hello. What's the big deal? The big deal is because for her, that emotional connection, at least when you just came home, that you're interested in looking at me in the eyes and that I'm part of your life. And that's really, and I'm your priority, which is actually the, the most important word. I'm your priority. That doesn't happen when you walk into the room, into the house, the house with the phone. So make sure, hang up the phone before you get in, even if it takes you five more minutes to get into the house. Tell the guy you're going to call him back. And that moment is a very important moment. You're saying open communication. Powerful what you meant by open communication. I'm not sure what you meant. Let him know. Let him know. You should listen to this program. Let him know what you need. And hopefully he listens. Great. So like you just mentioned, most women expect their husbands to know what they're thinking. And for, it never happens. And why do they expect them? Again, because what they feel, they think he feels. Because we cannot, we, we only project to others what we live through. And that's the greatest challenge of marriage. Because what my spouse is living through, that's not what I'm living through. We're in two different worlds. Some we don't understand. We just can't understand. And the whole challenge of marriage is being able to understand my spouse's perspective. If she doesn't, or he doesn't explain it, it's going to be much more difficult. I think people who just got married or they're in the beginning, it might be a little bit easier. The question is, people who are married for many years, um, another interesting question that came in, that somebody, they try to put away time after they put the kids to sleep to, to talk. She wants to talk to her husband. So I guess he, he's there, but it doesn't look, it doesn't seem to be engaged, not really interested. And it makes her question their relationship. Trying to figure out is maybe something missing or? That's a great question. So what happens is, let's take an example. Example of talking, okay? For a woman to talk to her spouse means, and to have him listening, active listening and responding means there's a relationship going on. Men don't see the value of speaking to their spouse as part of building their relationship. I like to say the story of this couple, the wife after supper tells her husband, no, we'd we like to talk. And he says, talk, we just spoke. And she says, what? And he replies, at supper, you asked me how my day was. And I said, Hashem, okay. Then I asked you how your day was. And you started in the morning, the, the, the alarm didn't go off. It was hard to get the kids up to school. And then the bus came late. And then your mother called. Oh, he had such a big problem. Then you went to, to work or you went to the whatever. You spoke for 10 minutes. So the wife says, oh, you're right. You're right. But I'm trying to say, I want to spend time with you. Oh, you want to spend time with me? Come, let's go look at what's his is. Let's come and we'll, we'll learn something. She says, no, 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 I want to talk. 
And again, he says, you see, you're going in circles. You always said you wanted to talk. I told you we spoke. You tell you want to spend time with him, I'm inviting you to do what I want, I'm going to do now. So what's happening here is a very fascinating thing. For a woman to talk to her husband and him to listen, that's a connection. And a woman needs that oxygen for her feelings of affection. But since he does not need it, that's not what he needs. So he can't understand why she insists that it's important. He says, you want to spend time? Come do what I'm doing. What she's really saying is, I want to feel that we're connecting. That's what she's saying. But he's not getting it. Because prestige, power, and pleasure is nothing with conversation. And that's a great challenge. So finally, she says he wants to speak. And unfortunately, he's not interested enough. So that's why I tell guys, listen, your wife needs to speak. Do a mitzvah. She needs to speak. Now, if you're really not so excited, you're tired, get a coffee. I'm not sure if you, if you vape. I'm not sure if you take whiskey. Make sure you're doing something that makes you look awake, okay? Because it's not going to work if she's talking and you're snoring, okay? Make sure you're doing something. No, I, I once heard uh, Rabbi Friedman says, be kind. Be kind. Your wife needs this. Be kind to her. And that's what it really is. Giving your wife time, making her feel important, is the oxygen she needs for her self-esteem. That's the gasoline, okay? And if she doesn't get it, she can't be a good wife and she can't be a good mother. Invest. I have another man question. I'm getting texts from men. They say, ask more men questions. Okay. There are men here tonight. Baruch Hashem. That's a good zach. I feel my wife makes such a big deal about particularly small things. For example, coming 15 minutes late, whatever. There's a million examples. I don't want to use the example of 15 minutes, but there's a million small things. They got the garbage. I asked you once. uh, Smaller things, right? I want to understand why the small things set her off so much and what I could do as a husband to be better about it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, there's always going to be small things that are going to be difficult to deal with. No, there's a very big problem that we have. Because until we get married, who tells us what to do? My mother stopped telling us years ago, we have this independence, then we get married, and automatically we have a new boss. And they have things they want their way. And we don't like to be controlled. Men feel that their wives control them. But the truth is, let's go back to our original session, original talk. What is the greatest, most important thing a woman needs to feel? That she's cared for, that she's loved. When a husband says, I'll be home at 7.30, and she prepared supper, and the kids are waiting, and he comes at 7.45, which means the food got cold already. What the wife understands is not that he came 15 minutes late. It means he doesn't love me. The guy says, what are you exaggerating? Let me ask you a question. If you have an appointment in your office, someone has to call you to be there at four o'clock and they show up at 4.15, how do you feel? I'm not sure in Panama, it's okay. You're not expecting anyone to come on time. If you call them for four o'clock, you're expecting them at five o'clock, okay. But in most normal countries, when you put a time and a person comes 15 minutes late, you're telling yourself, that person doesn't care about me or my time is not important. So as our spouse, we want them to cut us some slack. No, of course, you know, I love you. It's 50 minutes. But in the woman's mind, if you told me a certain time, you didn't text me, you didn't call me and say you have a problem, that means my, I'm not important. It's not about the time. 
It's about the message you're giving. And the worst thing for a woman is to feel that she's not important to her husband. And that's why the details make a big difference. You need to be there. Stop feeling controlled. Instead of saying to yourself, again, she wants to control me. Tell yourself, my wife has a need, okay? She has a need. This is how she feels love. Of course I want to make her feel love. And that's really the, we have to change the chip. Not to she, if I go, she's controlling me. No. And that's the problem. Since we don't have, we don't, we feel it's a control issue. That's why we become akshanim. We become stubborn not to give it. And that's the mistake. Okay, here's another question that came in. For some reason, we are constantly fighting over stupid things and we can't seem to get away away from, from the fights. What can we do about it? The people that constantly fight about small things, not talking about the real big issues. It's constantly back and forth. So what happens is, you know, we actually don't fight ever about small things. Everything we fight about is big, by the way. Now they say marriage is when man and woman decide to become one. The trouble begins when they're deciding which one. We don't have any small fights. Yes, it looks small, but really all the fights are about who's winning this, who did it, who's at fault. You said, I, for instance, I came late. So why did you come late? Big deal, 50 minutes. What was, well, what happened? No, but you said, why did you come late? What did I feel? And you attacked me. My wife is attacking me. So what do I say? What are you attacking me? I'm attacking you. You came late. We all, we both feel like the victims. She's feeling like the victim because he came late. He feels like the victim because she attacked him. So what happens? We get into this problem. Nothing small. It's all about you, you're offending me. You know, they say the difference between constructive criticism and destructive criticism. They say the, the, the criticism I give others is always constructive. The criticism others give me are, is always destructive. There's a famous book by Rabbi Arush. It's the, what's the word? What's the, the what's the, I forgot the title. Um, Gan Eden? No. The, the path of peace. What's the, uh, he has one in Shalom Bites for the men. The Garden of Peace. Thank you. The Garden of Peace, right. Okay. So what's half the book is about never criticize your spouse. That's what he talks about. I think it's a little bit, a little bit overdone, but the point is, is true. When we feel criticized, we go on the defensive. We get on the defensive and we start fighting back. And that's what happens. There's no small issues. Of course, they're small. They're stupid. But the problem is we need to learn how to talk, okay? And the third part of the book, <clears throat> The Art of Communication, learn, the first thing is learn how to talk. Criticism, anger, is destroys every relationship. You know, I say that, what keeps a marriage together? Only one thing keeps a marriage together. together. The davak bi'ishto. The davak is the glue. The glue is called a relationship. You can call it love. That's the glue. When you chip away at that glue, when you start breaking away at that relationship, everything falls apart. Criticisms, anger, all this stuff breaks, chips away, slowly but surely. It comes to a point that we don't feel connected. So, yes, 
we should avoid fighting about stupid things. But remember, let's not say, why are we fighting about stupid things? We're not. We're not. We haven't learned how to sit, get over, communicate. We need to learn how to talk, the right words, the right body language, the right energy. That would avoid many, many problems. I would say 90% of our problems we would avoid if we learned how to talk. That's our greatest challenge. Now the Gemara says, Rav Omar, Be careful. And I put, actually, it's Ashkacha Pratis this week. What was the, the Rashi speaks about the prohibition of hurting people with words. The Medrash Rabbah has a whole long talk about it. Very interesting about the Medrash speaks about it. About how you talk to people. Like we said, Rab says, be careful how you talk to your wife because they can cry. It's even worse. We need to learn how to talk. Most times when we're saying something, we're attacking you. We're attacking our spouse. And the attack will bring a counterattack. So could you share with us the first thing that we need to do? What's the first thing with... Um... The art of communication. So the art of communication has basically three points. The first point is learn how to talk, okay? Which basically means instead of using the U word, you use the I word, right? Why, are you, why do you always park the car crooked? Why do you always get tickets? Why do you always come late? Why do you always leave the bathroom a mess? Is always an attack. Try it differently. I would really appreciate if when you park, the car would be straight. I would really appreciate if when you finish the bathroom, it looks nice. I need something instead of you have done something. That's the first basic thing. And what happens is when I'm saying something, I'm already, I'm already upset. The wife came to the bathroom, the, the bathroom was a mess, the towels on the floor, there was water all over. So she walks out, she's already, yeah. So she can't say it nicely. And if you're not going to say it nicely, it's not going to work. Have you ever heard of any discussion that anyone wants? I say one thing, you say the other thing. It goes the wrong way. Learning how to talk. Make sure you're calm and you're not attacking your spouse. You hear us just tell them a need you have. And sometimes, say it works with a chat because you're, you're less involved. Some people like the chat. Some people don't like the chats, whatever. But over there, I can say it in a more less attacking way or my spouse might not feel so attacked. But that's really the key. How are we delivering the message? Okay. Um, somebody texted me a very interesting question. Okay, Reverend? Yes. Let me read it. Thanks for the beautiful program tonight. I'm really enjoying it. My wife is not, is very into social media. It bothers me a lot as I see her as involved in 10 other couples' relationships, what they're wearing, vacationing, eating out, I feel it's greatly affecting our relationship or the lack of our relationship. To her, it's an outlet and she doesn't see the big deal with a few conversations. I'm being unrealistic or how do I guide us? Basically, in short, let's, let's globalize the question bigger. Basically, people either live between people or they go on social media and they get an image of what a marriage is or what people are doing. And it's causing them to be not realistic in their relationship and it's affecting the relationship. So how does one spouse 
explain it to the other spouse. Now, that, that spouse is using it as an outlet. I'm going online, I'm going on Instagram, I'm doing this, eh, relaxing. Maka Shalek Suva Betayda. First of all, yes, social media is a big problem. But let me ask you, what happened before social media? You remember? Men would complain. At night, my wife is on the phone for hours. With her mother. Uh, calling, whatever. There was always, there was always. Now, let's remember. Women need to connect. And unfortunately, men are not so good at connecting. So therefore, a woman is going to look for that connection. I have a strong hunch and a feeling that whoever wrote you that, that, that message, he's not spending enough time with his wife. And therefore, she's spending a lot more time elsewhere. She's, he's saying it's affecting his relationship. It's if he had a good relationship and he's, he's okay, just like after having the 20 or 30 minute talk daily or finding time to connect, she's okay with him learning or learning whatever else or doing whatever else. He would be okay with her social life. Something is telling me that he's feeling rejected. She's too much under the social media. Now he's really realizing he doesn't have a relationship with her. Maybe he didn't realize that he never had a good relationship with her. It was just in his mind. She wasn't feeling there was a good relationship. Now he's not feeling there's a good relationship. Okay? So let's go back to step one. Start working on your relationship. If your wife is looking for an outlet, she's not getting it from you. A woman needs emotional connections. She should get them from their spouse. Start working on it. Find time to do stuff together. And I tell people, this is the most important thing. As we explained till now, we're so different. We move away. What a woman mostly needs is to spend time with her spouse. A man needs to find time, whether it's talking or an activity, something to do with his spouse. That time fills her need. Fills her need of love, fills her need of a connection. When you do that, she'll be more relaxed. It doesn't mean she won't be on social media, but you'll both be connected. And there you will, maybe it won't bother you so much. If it's bothering you, it's because there's a lack of that connection. She's finding her outlet, and now you're feeling jealous. So the answer is very simple. Make instead of her having to go out, let her find that relationship in your marriage. Well, and what happens if someone opens up and they talk to their spouse? And this is a question that she talks to her husband. And sometimes it could be a little bit harsh, but he turns into a stone wall, she says. He becomes like a stone wall. Why and what can I do about it? Stonewalling. Yes, it's a very famous topic. So usually, you know, we all heard of the fight and flight. I remember I once went, went, went to speak to one of my members in the show. Someone told me he gets into fights with his wife and having a hard relationship. So I went, they said, listen, Zalman, we need to do something. Why do you have to fight so much? If you say something and your wife said something you don't like, just keep quiet. Why do you have to make a whole issue about this? He says, Rabbi, that's exactly what I do. If my wife says something I don't like, I just keep quiet and I don't talk to her for a month. After he said that, the conversation was pretty much over, okay? Yes, fight or flight. When a man is having a conversation with his wife and he feels it's not going to go very, it's not going to go very well, he has two choices. Either to fight it out or to say, let's cut it now. 
Let's cut our losses. So if it's a conversation that they can manage, of course you need to talk to them. But if he's stonewalling, it's because he is scared that this is going to get much worse. And you, we know when you have a conversation that's not going well, and you did this, and you did that, and he, and then the, 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 the tone of the voice raises, the accusations rise. The, you know, he said that women are historical. All the history since you got married. So the guy says, why should we go back to that place? Let's cut it now. So actually, if your husband wants to cut the conversation, he stonewalls, could be a positive. Yes, a woman feels, oh, I, well, let, let's finish it. If you finish it, it might get much worse. Now, stonewalling is not a bad thing if you're able to later come back to it, which I guess we'll talk about soon. But for a woman, stonewalling is, is, is a very negative thing. Like you're cutting me off. But it's important for the wife to see that for your husband, what he's trying to do is avoid an all-out war. Let's not destroy all the bridges. Let's take a pause now, take a recess, and we'll get back to it. So that, that could have value. So when, when, when should he get back to it? He, he doesn't, so, he's not. <laughs> so this is really, I would say, one of the, the greatest problems, I think, in marriage, or the challenges is, how do you go back? So I know people in my community say, we have a fight. We don't talk for three, four days, five days a week. And then someone says, good morning, good morning, and nothing happens. And I find this to be the greatest problems. Because what happens? Instead of dealing with the issue, we shove it under the rug. But it stays under the rug. And when you have so many things under the rug, it start, the rug starts picking up. No marriage can work if you have so much baggage and so many times you hurt me and you weren't able to apologize. So on one hand, we're petrified to go back to that conversation. And rightfully so, because we know we don't want to fight. On the other hand, if you don't go back there, you've never resolved it. It's an open wound. And then you open up a new wound and a third wound. And that's a problem. And I think um, to say it on the Zoom, won't give it justice. There's a specific paragraph about this. Very important, very vital. I think one of, one of the most important things. I'm going to try to bring the point briefly. The reason we can never fix a fight because we always go back to where we were. We always go back to prove our point. Now, listen to what I was trying to tell you. I have felt so upset because da, da, da. Oh, yeah. And I felt so. So when we're going back to prove our point, the fight will just continue. To fix a fight is when you're able to sit down and say, okay, listen, Hannah, I'm not here to tell you my point. I want to understand what did you feel? What was going on? Why did you take it so personally? Why were you so upset? That's all. And be able to say, I'm sorry for what I did to you. So we'll say, I'm sorry. I was the victim. In every fight, we both feel like we're the victim. Because both of us have a reason to feel that the other one started. And in every fight, the other one started. Like I gave the example before. You didn't pick up the, my, the dry cleaning, right? I'm the husband. I asked you to bring up the pickle of the dry. You didn't pick it up. I came home. I needed the suit for the wedding. And I was very upset. So I lashed out on you. I'm the husband. Who started? My wife started. She should have picked it up. In her brain, what do you mean I started? I forgot. Everyone can forget. Why did you so upset? So we all feel the other person is the problem. We're the victim. 
And when you come back and you're more relaxed and okay, so tell me, what happened? And the wife will say, this, I understand, I made a mistake, I forgot. But why did you have to lash out at me? You also forget things, it's okay. When I go back to talk about it and I'm able to see my spouse's perspective, I understand that the reason that they reacted because they were feeling attacked, that I can forgive them. Quick example, imagine your what's it called, your, uh, your spouse pushes you. Why'd you push me? How's it possible? And then you show her, no, your heel was on my toe. And I was speaking to you, but you were on the phone, on your headphones. You were just inside to push you. Okay, okay. When I can see that because I, my, 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 I was stepping on my foot's, my, my husband's toe, and he was just trying to get, get my attention. Okay, if you pushed me, that's crazy. But if you pushed me because you couldn't hear me, and this is a reaction of you stepping on my toe, it's different. So the concept of being able to understand my spouse's perspective, then you can come back to the conversation and say, okay, if that's how you felt, I'm sorry. And if that's, and then obviously the wife is going to say, okay, what were you feeling? I felt that you didn't understand that you were attacking my mother. Okay, fine. I'm sorry. That's the key to be able to move ahead. We didn't leave it under the rug. We brought it back up. We stopped saying my opinion. I want to hear your perspective. And then you can delete and it doesn't clog up your computer. Okay, Evelyn, let's try to hop in two more questions if possible, if we have enough time, okay? Um, how do we repair a large fight? The way we do it is we keep we seem to fight a lot, and um, we don't talk for a few days. We just, like, let it go, never talk about it, and then there's things just sort of roll. How do, is that normal? Is that the way things are supposed to be? When a, when, when a couple has a larger fight. I remember when I was uh, just getting married, everyone tells you, you should never go to sleep angry. Right? Always make sure you fix it before you go to sleep. They say, what's the expression says, don't go to sleep angry. Stay up and fight, okay? So I try to understand why is it that they say you shouldn't go to sleep? And eventually I understood something. How is it possible that this discussion can overshadow your whole marriage? You've lived together five, 10 years. You have kids together. You've got, you had gone through so many things. Why does this one fight define your relationship? So that's why I believe it is a very valuable thing to be able to, before you go to sleep, saying, listen, I'm very upset. You're upset. We had a very big fight. We're not going to fix it now, but I apologize. Those words are an important thing. At least you might not sleep well anyways, but it's realizing that you're, Things in common are much greater than this, even this fight. A serious fight, I'm going to say, it can take at least a day for the couple to be able to get back to talk about it because we're all both offended. I am so offended how you what you told me, how you said it about whatever this conversation was. So you need to really be able to be more relaxed to be able to get back and talk. But yes, I think it's important to learn how not to ignore each other, to be able to continue whether you eat breakfast together or lunch or supper, or you text, hey, we'll talk about it. Let's try to have a courteous relationship and we get, we're going to get back to this topic. I think a couple of days is a little bit too long, but up to a day or two can be sometimes normal. Regardless, it doesn't, doesn't mean we shouldn't be interacting and it doesn't mean we shouldn't have some type of apology for what happened. 
Okay, Mardik. Let's. Um, I think I have a live question here. One second. Let's get the person on mute. Okay, unmute, please. And then we'll do one more, and then we'll go to closing. Okay, Evelyn. Okay, you're on. Oh, okay. Is that me? That's you. Oh, okay. So you said about communicating um, in a good way. So I try to communicate in a good way, but maybe you have an idea how to communicate in a good way to ask your husband to spend time with you. And like you said before, you know, he'll go, well, we just spent time together. Let's say we work together. We're in the office all day, even though we didn't really talk about anything personal or connecting or for sitting by the table. Um, like to, like you mentioned, I had to explain that you want connection, not just sitting together, doing something else, or how do you present that in a nice way? Would your husband read two, three chapters of a book? No, he actually is snoring right now. We were listening to this together. Um, <laughs> I give him books. He reads a page and then, or here, the husband's right here. <laughs> what do you, what do you yeah, want? She always says she wants time. I should give her time. I'm very busy. I, I don't have time to spend. You know, when I see her at lunch, I see her... I see her in the office. I see her with you know at the table. So that's spending time with her. And then she keeps saying she wants more time. Yes, I understand. For a man, it's very hard. We don't understand what she what's the time she needs. But obviously, your wife has a need, and it's actually I'll give you a biblical commandment: Believe it or not. What your wife is telling you, although you can't figure it out, because as men we cannot figure out—not just you, me, and many others, others on this on this on this uh, Zoom—but your wife has a need, and believe it or not, she expressed it to you. And as a good husband, you, I'm sure you're a yid that wants to do chesed. Okay, your wife needs personal time, not just work time. Work time doesn't count. She needs to sit with you and talk with you and feel that you can connect to her. This is the biggest chesed you can do. Trust me. I'm going to ask you to read, I think, I'm not sure which, part, which, which chapter. Two or, there are two or three chapters in the book. If you understand your wife's need, you'll give her true love and, and, and happiness. Is there anything more important for you? And I'm sure the happier she is, the better a wife she'll be, the better a mother she'll be. Mirtashem, a grandmother, I'm not sure where she's up to, but this is really essential. And as I'm telling it to you, I understand perfectly how you don't understand the word I'm saying. Because in our brain, we don't need it. What I don't need, it's hard for me to give. And that's like, you know, the famous story about this rabbi, it's Russia, it's cold. He goes to one of the Gavirim. The guy comes to the, to, the, to, the, to the door. He goes, Rabbi, come in. What do you need? No, 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 I want to talk to you for a minute over here. And the rabbi talks and talks for five minutes, how cold it is and how many poor people there are and the, and the price of wood went up. And after five minutes, the guy's shivering. The rabbi walks into the, room, into the house and says, tell me, Rabbi, what do you need? A check, give me whatever you need. But why did it, well, I have one question. Why didn't you come in at the beginning? You knew you had to come in. And the rabbi says, because I wanted you to feel the cold. If you don't feel the cold, you're not going to give me the same check. We cannot understand or feel the need of a wife of spending time with her husband. And therefore, the time that we think we're spending, we think it's good enough. And I understand you a thousand percent. But trust me, if you want to give the biggest gift to your spouse, to your wife, 
Try it. Try it once a week. Once a week, try it. Give her 30 minutes. Listening to her, talking to her, and see. Try it once a week for the next month. And then we'll talk. Thank you. My pleasure. I'll do it. Thank you. Excellent. Okay, I think before we close, uh, interesting. um, Oh, it says. What's if? What's if? Somebody realizes that their spouse is not in tune, and, and like I mentioned in the beginning, it's they can't be vulnerable, open. The connection that they're looking for, they're just not getting from their spouse. And uh, like many would ask me, what's marriage if they can't get the connection that they're looking for? Listen, it's very tough. I say, why? Because it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to be in a relationship. Very difficult. Needing to feel loved. As Hashem made it. That we need to feel, a woman needs to feel loved. And have a spouse that has no clue. The men are, most men are clueless. Really, they're clueless. And it's not their fault. It's a very tough thing. So, I remember I gave this talk in France. A woman says, I'm married 16 years. I'm telling my husband this every time. He doesn't get it. Yes, he doesn't get it. He can't get it. And that's why I really believe it's so important. Again, whether it's my book or any other book, let them find some source that will help them understand what's going on. Because a man, if you don't convince him in his head at least, forget his heart. Wow, we can't expect anything different. Yes, this is the challenge of relationships. Everyone's challenge. You do the best you can. You try it. Some people are more successful than others. Even myself, who I consider myself the expert, obviously. I have days that my wife feels that I'm not as communicative as I should be, or I'm not so connected, because this is my nature, okay? It's a changing of nature. And this is as a... What is the Yisraeli of Yiddish guy, Tikkun Hamidis, changing who we are, working on ourselves. And that's really the essence of marriage. Hashem made us so different and wants us to both work on these sides, working for men, working to understand their spouse. And women understanding that even the days it's not working out, we'll move ahead. That's part of our spiritual journey. And I find this to be very, very valuable. See it as a spiritual journey. Men, by nature, are not emotionally as in tune, most men at least, get the best you can and try to work with it. I, I wish you lots of luck. I hope it works. Sometimes you got to get that emotional support from your kids and sometimes you're getting them from your, from your, your good friends and something men aren't as good as them. And it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for every single couple. Okay, let's go to closing now, and uh, we're going to wrap it up. Rabbi Leila, I want you to leave us with some different chizik before we go. First, Rabbi Aaron Lane from Panama City coming on, and uh, really being mechazek tonight was was very practical, very lemaisa. Menachem, was a, the, we That's what we're looking for. From the big emotional vulnerability theoretical to the lemaisa, which was great. And Rabbi Leila, coming on, and the Machem, which come on again. I think I think we always need physic in this topic. This is one of the topics we could do every Sunday. I think with the uh, you know give a lot of physic. And again, uh, if anybody wants to join the WhatsApp chat, it's uh, WhatsApp me at eight four eight five two five zero zero six six. 
and say my number. And every Sunday I'll send you a flyer. Or you can go to menachemburnful.com and you can sign up to get the weekly emails to see who's coming on. For anybody who's here for the first time, every Sunday night, 9.30 Eastern time, we do a shear and we have Rabbi Lane. We have a tremendous amount of uh, uh, Rabbonim, therapists, speakers, shluchim, everybody and anybody. Anybody who has toichen and uh, is coming to be mechazagadim, so please come and be part of it. Um, every Sunday night at 9.30. Be part of our Sichas Chaverim, as we call it. Um, again, tonight, everything's recorded. Mr. Shem will be available on MenachemBurnful.com, on YouTube, and all the Spotify, and podcasts, and uh, also the phone number. Tonight's share is share 103. The phone number, if you want to call it tomorrow and listen to it on the phone, is 848-777-GROW. And I want to give a special thank you to the Lakewood Scoop, Robin Yanif Chazak, Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central, Chayla Kalchon Shmuel Sommer, JCN, and Mika Sover from COL Live. And um, next Sunday night, Mr. Shem, May 29th, we're going to have an amazing one with Rabbi Sender Yasegasir, Darshiva from Eatontown, a personal close friend of mine. And he was on, and way, in the way beginning, he was on together with a the therapist, and he's coming on now before the Sunday before Shuas. And he's going to try to explain to us how Torah is negated to everybody and how to put it into our children, and how to grow with it, and how to take Shuas, this Yantiv. And really internalize it and take it to the next level. So please join us next Sunday. Rabbi Kassir is an unbelievable person. And um, please join us. And um, what did I want to say? The last thing I wanted to say that Rabbi Lane, you're Meredith. You're really Meredith. Baruch Hashem. We're happy we found you. You see? It's Bashart. And uh, we're going to give it to Benachem. And then Rabbi Lane, if you could please leave the oil again, do the Chazor to share in the A's and the P's. I think it's important to, for the people that weren't here in the beginning to Chazor, but then. I want to thank you very much. And it, it sounds like uh, this work. Baruch Hashem, you know, was more practical. You, but like you mentioned the fight and flight. We, we all have baggage, stuff, beliefs, and uh, there's no two the same. And we're, we're many times we're in the fight and flight um, states that it's it's very hard to be there and to listen when especially if they're talking about you and they want you to change. So it, it is work whether it's reading the book or it's really a lot of introspection to see where am I, what's going on, why don't I like it. And uh, after ch trying to change your spouse for many years, realizing many times that this is who they are. And like we discussed, acceptance and then being able to love them the way they are, which is a challenge. And, and it's work, like we heard. So this itself, like tonight was very practical, but it is a vulnerable moment to be able to say what bothers me, what's something that I don't like, if I could share it or I can share it, just to, to, to sit in that space and feel it. Sometimes you could take care of it, you could do something about it, sometimes you can't. You'll buy the book and you, you'll start reading it and you'll hope that it works and then you might find out that it doesn't. That, that could be painful and uh, you should have a place where you can talk about it. And like we mentioned, for those who are not sure if they are in a abusive relationship, it's good you came here tonight, which is beautiful, but make a phone call just to discuss it with a professional 
so that they can help you and guide you to the best place where you need to be. So thank you very much, Rabbi Lane. And uh, everybody should have a lot of siyata de shmaya to go to where they need to get to, to the next step in Mitzvah Shem, to up their marriage in Mitzvah Shem. Rabbi Aaron Lane, Shliach from Panama. Closing words, Chizik. So first of all, if you forgot to ask me the question, I left you at the beginning. Okay. We asked the beginning, why is it? Let me see if you have the answer, Usher. If not, you didn't pay attention. Why is it that a woman has no obligation in marriage? Only a man has obligations. You got the answer? If not, I have to start from the beginning. I think we should start from the beginning. <laughs> I think I think that's some after the shears because the woman has the intuitive to, to be connected anyway. It's it's uh, beautiful. We, we, Excellent. We, we need to be mitzvah because for us, as long as the challah is warm and the clothing is clean and the floors are nice. We come home. It's good. Excellent. So the reason the Torah obligates a husband and not a wife, because if a man does what he has to and knows how to give what his wife needs, by nature a wife will, re- will, re- will respond. This is uh, what I found, and I think it's a very valuable answer. Anyone has a different answer? That's also good. That's how I understand. And the same thing, let's go to the, the second question. Why does it say, It's not good for men to be alone. Many men might be happier to be alone. And the answer, I think, from a spiritual perspective, if you're alone, we will become selfish and egocentric. And the essence of Judaism, the essence of Hashem wanted us to overcome our selfishness. Hashem gave the Torah on Har Sinai. And it says Har Sinai had plantations and, and fruits and, and trees. In the Kutatera, the Al-Tarebbe says, the desert is selfish. It's not willing to give out any produce. Hashem reminded us that the objective of creation is to give, to change, change yourself. From being self, selfish to be selfless. If you would be levade, you will never grow. That's why your spouse is different than you, not the same. It's opposite. It feels so difficult, right? Because that's where it teaches us how to grow, how we become better, how we become different. The only place in life to really grow is in marriage. Your parents, our parents stopped telling us things long, a long time ago. In marriage is where we're always being challenged. Our ego is being challenged. We have to learn how to forgive, to ask for forgiveness, to close an eye, to close the mouth, all the areas of, of spiritual growth is in marriage. So that's late to you. You want to be, actually become a better person, marriage is the greatest place. And that's why. For those of you that heard the original P's and A's, we got to change them. Originally, we spoke that we're looking for our prestige, power, and pleasure. Men are looking for that. And women need affection, their appearance, and a sense of accomplishment. For a good marriage, we need to change it. Men need to start looking to please their spouse. P for please. They need to remember that our purpose in life, purpose is to become a better person. And that is going to happen through making our spouse happier. And the third P is if we're looking for men like to fix the whole world. Peace, shalom in the whole world. It's going to start with shalom in your home. These are the three new P's we're going to focus on. And women need to remember that they need to have new A's, okay? The first A is to articulate. 
Tell your spouse what you need. They can't figure it out. The second A is affirm. Affirm. Say words that affirm, make him feel special. And obviously accept. Even when it doesn't work the way you hope or you want or you said, accept that we're different and it's difficult and it's not as easy as you think it is. Those new P's and A's are going to make the difference. And now for the question that we said, that everyone's looking, what's the one thing? One thing we said that will change a marriage. I mean, I heard a lot of things, but I think the one thing is when we learn how not to take things personally. One thing. When a wife stops taking everything personally, if he came late, he doesn't love me. He didn't respond to the chat, he doesn't love me. He didn't go to, to the birthday party, he doesn't love me. Stop taking everything personal. The husband, I, every time I come, she criticizes, criticizes me. No, it's not that she has a problem with you. She's not feeling loved enough. Don't jump into the ring and, and, and defend yourself and accuse her. Relax. Stop taking things personally. The more we understand the differences of men and women, the more we'll understand that it's not about me. It's my spouse had an issue. Let me see how to manage it. Don't take it personally. I think if we're able to do that, the whole relationship will change. Beautiful. I just want to share with everybody the book. Henry is holding a picture of it, but I just want to show everybody that everybody, people are texting where to get it. It says get Amazon. You just type in GPS Rabbi Aaron Lane. And you see it's paperback, $15. Kindle, audiobook, you get it for free. You have the audiobook account. So if you want to get the book, it's a beautiful book. Hop around and get it. for coming on. It was a murder tonight. Chazak, all the hundreds of people that are here, much in the thousands of people that hear it. And let's just say about it next week. And Mashiach uh, Sakeda Bimeda. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Saigazunt. All the best. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly, monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.